audio. Welcome to Doc Talk, a weekly podcast featuring Monument Health physicians addressing medical topics. Tune into your health with Monument Health. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Doc Talk with Monument Health. My name is Mark Houston, and joining me today is Dr. Ryland Johnson. Uh, Dr. Johnson is board certified by the American Board of Foot and Ankle Surgery and Reconstructive Foot Surgery, as well as Reconstructive Rear Foot and Ankle Surgery, and a local. I love having you locals on the podcast. <laughs> you're, you're, I mean, you're just 30 miles away, right? Were you, were you born and raised in Sturgis or just went to high school there? I went to high school there, okay. yeah. I was actually born uh, in, in the Spearfish, Belfouche area. My okay. dad was from Spearfish. My mom was from Belfouche. Then how did this particular profession call to you, Dr. Johnson? Well, it's a good question. I, you know, I've always wanted to kind of go into health care. Mm-hmm. Um, I was even a nurse's aide out at Fort Meade when I was in high school. And, uh, oh, so know, it's in your blood then. I yeah, mean, you were ready for this. That, yeah. Is something I always wanted to do. And so I worked as a nurse at Fort Meade through high school and even through college. So I've always had an interest in, in health care. Um, I met some podiatrists that were actually some uh, business associates of my father's um, in California. And they introduced me to the field and just kind of took a knack to it. And we were talking a little bit beforehand, and, and hopefully we'll get into it a bit here with a with a topic that we want to talk about today. But uh, the 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 foot in particular seems to be pretty uh, underrated, I think, on our body, mm-hmm. right? Right, I would agree <laughs> like with that. So yeah. many people take take it for granted. And I'd also mentioned that uh, we want to talk about bunions specifically in this podcast, and mm-hmm. and and uh, uh, lapoplasty, right. which is a procedure that can correct them. Correct. Um, and so, again, looking this up and doing a bit of research on it today, uh, I didn't know how interesting the whole thing was going to turn into, and then it really, really did. Um, bunions, specifically, I think is a subject that all of us are familiar with. Right. You probably have, I would say, maybe somebody older in your family mm-hmm. that would have this condition, right? Um, so let's just start with what a bunion is, doctor. Right, right. And bunions, you know, we find that 25% of adult Americans have bunions, so it's a very common, common problem. Um, but it happens in kids, too. I've, I've done lab. Really? Yeah, it does. Juvenile hallux valgus is a, is a thing for sure. I've actually seen young kids that I have to wait till their growth plates fuse before I can, before we, we, oh we do surgery on them. So okay. I think the youngest I've done is a, you know, a 13-year-old girl. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's congenital and it is something, it's not something, I mean, it traditionally develops and gets worse over time. Uh, but there are some young people who have juvenile hallux valgus that, 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 you know, they have it much, very early on in life. Okay. Uh, so what specifically, what is happening with that bone there? Cause it's very, it's very easy to notice somebody that has a bunion. Correct. Yeah. Because it looks like it, that, that, that bone just juts out into a V shape on the side right. of your foot. Yeah, so it's kind of the, the, the angulation of the first metatarsal in relation to the toe, which is the proximal phalanx of the great toe. And if everything lines up correctly, all the metatarsals should line up rather parallel with one another, and in which case the, the big toe joint or the first metatarsal phalangeal joint is congruent, the toe is straight. Um, when there gets to be a lot of hypermobility or laxity in the joint at the base of the metatarsal, which we call the metatarsal cuneiform joint, uh, there, you get rotation and movement at that joint. 
Um, and a lot of that rotation movement is kind of pathological, in which case it kind of tends to deviate outward. Um, but it can also kind of elevate and rotate as well. Um, so a lot of people with kind of these larger bunions, it's, it's really a triplanar deformity, uh, which can cause more pronation and, 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 and it cause increased stress in other parts of the foot because the first metatarsal is not biomechanically stabilizing the foot in the arch. So I, the, all of those, those bones in your foot that make your toes, mm-hmm. are, are, they're all similar, aren't they, to, to that big toe? Why, well, the, why does it only happen there? Right. The big toe is kind of special. Okay. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, it's, it's different than the lesser metatarsal phalangeal joints. The big toe actually has two extra bones called sesamoids. Uh, they're kind of like kneecaps for the joint, and they kind of help with mechanical advantage of the joint. And when the metatarsal does translate medially, um, those sesamoids tend to rotate or sublux out of position as well. And so all, the biomechanics also tends to pull the toe out of, out of joint as well. So, yeah, the lesser metatarsal phalangeal joints really mechanically are far different than okay. the medial column. So is this, um, is this something that, uh, that you can be born with, or does it, does it generally happen... Just like I know, you said you had it in, in right. some of these I do think it's congenital. Okay. I do think it's congenital. I don't think it's caused by shoes. Um, a lot of people feel that you know I had poor right. shoes when I was a kid, things like that. But I really, I think you have more of a, a genetic propensity towards developing bunions. Now, sugar can make it worse. Um, one of the main ways that I think people treat their bunions is to find a wider shoe. Uh, to take pressure off of the prominence of the first mm-hmm. metatarsal. And so tight-fitting shoes can make a bunion more symptomatic, um, but I don't think it exacerbates or makes the, the condition more pronounced, if you will. And I kind of remember uh, growing up hearing uh, when people talked about bunions, women specifically, about mm-hmm. high-heeled shoes. Right. Is that is that... Is that a is that a myth or is that kind of true? Well, I like once again. I think these shoes tend to make the bunion worse for sure. Okay. Now I do I do find there's a greater propensity towards developing bunions in women, or at least I see a lot more mm-hmm. of them. I think women are a little more hypermobile uh, than men are, so I think that first rate hypermobility is a lot greater in the female population. Um, and I also think men don't mind wearing big bulky shoes, you know. So <laughs> right. you know, we're not into fashion. Yeah, it as a guy, matter. we can wear a tennis shoe or a <laughs> yeah. wider toe box shoe, in mm-hmm. which case our bunions have a little bit more room and there's less pressure on them, whereas women are more resistant to those types of shoes. Right. You know? so. Okay. Um, can you can you prevent this at all, even if it's congenial? Can you prevent a bunion from happening? You know, I, I don't think so. I okay. really, you know, I, I think trying to wear orthotics might help with the positioning of the foot and alignment of the joint. And I think some patients feel like you know, foot position with an orthotic might help the biomechanics of the foot. So, but it really it doesn't correct the bunion, nor do I think does it dramatically reduce how, how quickly it okay. presents itself. So if you're going to get it, you're going to get it. I think, so, I think that's accurate. So, yeah. so let's say that y- you finally have it. And um, it's this is so interesting, too, because when I knew we were going to have this conversation, uh, all of a sudden on TikTok of all places, which mm-hmm. is just terrible for misinformation in a lot of instances, <laughs> I was seeing this device mm-hmm. that these people were saying, you just kind of attach it to your big toe and a little screw on the end will push right. that. Right. That's got to be BS, doesn't well, it? And this, a lot of these things are splints. And, you know, okay. and, and a lot of times these, for, these deformities are manually reducible. Really, when they're very hypermobile, I can even with my thumb kind of reduce the deformity and have it come back. So I do think some splints can hold the toe in position. But, uh, and that might even alleviate a little bit of soft tissue strain if things are kind of symptomatic. However, once you take the splint off, the deformity will will recur. So it is not a fix. It's not a fix. At all. No, okay. Well, let's fix. talk about something that can be 
Brody then, right. which uh, this is a pretty fascinating surgery. And again, I encourage people to look it up and watch the animated videos of it uh, if you can't handle the actual surgery on somebody's <laughs> foot. Um, but but it's, it, it's, it seems so, again, minimally invasive. It's called lapoplasty. Yes. And uh, I'm going to let you describe how it works because it's, well, first question. The first thing I noticed when I was when I was watching the videos and researching it a little bit is they kept saying 2D and 3D. Right. Okay. Can you start there with this? Right. So previous bunionectomies, we were kind of focusing on uh, addressing the deformity at the metatarsal head, metatarsal shaft, where we were making what we call an osteotomy. An osteotomy is where you make a bone cut within the bone and then reduce the deformity through by translating the bone cut. Is that right at the bump of of where that? It can be. Okay. Yeah, it can be either at the bump, which would be kind of what we call a metatarsal head osteotomy, which would be the most common previous bunionectomy we did. Um, or a chevron osteotomy, um, or you can do a mid-shaft or a, or a closing. There's lots of different ways of, of approaching that. But but the translation correction was oftentimes one to two planes of correction. Uh, very rarely can you get rotational correction with an osteotomy, and we're talking kind of a, more of a frontal plane rotation. So when they're talking the 3D, they're literally meaning it in a, in a in 3D three, three sense. Three planes of correction. Yes, right. okay. Yeah, so with lapoplasty, we reduce the deformity first. And we always focus, we focus at the metatarsal cuneiform joint because that really is the center of rotation and, and the apex of the deformity, which makes sense. I mean, this procedure just makes sense. Um, I always kind of say it's kind of like that your metatarsal deviating is kind of like the leaning tower of Pisa. And if you're wanting to bring the leaning tower of Pisa back up into a rectus position, you probably should go to the foundation or, or, or a home, for instance. If you see a home tilting over, you don't go look at the second floor as <laughs> right. to where the problem resides, right? <laughs> yeah. You actually go to the basement. You go to the foundation. And that's what lapoplasty focuses on is actually correction at the center of rotation. Um, and so that's why we go to the base of the metatarsal at its joint at the metatarsal cuneiform joint. And that's what we, we make our correction at that apex. Of, and, and we correct that. We, we correct that in the dominant transverse plane, which is, which is where the bump kind of goes away. But there's also some sagittal plane plantar flexion, which kind of tends to stabilize the arch. And we can also get rotation. And that's the third plane of correction is that rotation of the metatarsal. And with the rotation, we can kind of realign the sesamoid apparatus, which are the two little bones that kind of reside underneath the metatarsal. They're kind of like kneecaps for the joint. Mm-hmm. And with that, rotation, we can get the sesamoids put back into position as well, which helps biomechanically and function of the joint. Well, now I noticed in that procedure, and, and I think at the, at, the, at the base there, I think that you're talking about, you make, mm-hmm. you, you, you kind of shave out two like pieces of bone there, don't Correct. you? Correct, yeah. Why? Well, that, that's how we get our correction. So, you okay. know, what we do is we kind of correct, correct the deformity, and that joint will gap because the joint is kind of an, has an oblique angle to it, okay? There's motion there, but when you correct that, it does open up and gap. And so that's where we actually need to make our cuts. And traditionally, this lapidus bunionectomy lapoplasty procedure, we make a flat cut on the cuneiform, and we use a cutting guide with lapoplasty. I okay. think that's also kind of important to kind of discuss. The tools so, are amazing Yeah, so the, the, the technique is what, what made lapoplasty kind of what it is. Um, so our reduction, three planes of correction, the cutting guide is placed at the center of rotation at the joint. And the cutting guide literally kind of tells you, tells you where to make the cuts to capture the correction that you currently have on mm-hmm. the table. 
So you get your correction first. You like the positioning. You stabilize it. You, then you place the cutting guide in place, and the cutting guide tells you where to make your cuts to capture that correction. So it's a very reproducible yeah. uh, procedure. It, it kind of takes a lot of the subjectivity out of it because when I used to do lapidus before lapoplasty, which is which is what you know, lapoplasty is a lapidus bunionectomy. We used to make those cuts by hand. Okay. Oh wow. Yeah, we would we would you know estimate our our cuneiform cut as being a flat cut and, and then do a parallel cut on the metatarsal. However, there was some subjectivity involved, right? You mm-hmm. know, you were just making those cuts by hand. So, you know, they were, you were always kind of looking at things, planing things down, kind of a lot of woodwork, if you will. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, but with a cutting guide, it really takes a lot of that subjectivity out. And so, you know, the, the cutting guide makes those cuts. You remove the joint, uh, which, then, which does stabilize the foundation of the building. And then you can compress that down. And you're actually getting a fusion of that joint of the metatarsocaneiform joint, and that's what gives you real also long-term correction. Yeah. Uh, because if you think about the leaning tower of Pisa, you know, if you don't stabilize the foundation or if you just correct the second floor, the foundation will continue to, 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 exactly. to migrate. Right. Well, and there's also some, there's there's two little plates that go in there as well, right. isn't there? Yeah, and that's that plating system really is also proprietary towards lapoplasty called biplanar plating. And the dorsal plate is kind of placed right on the top, and then we kind of go 90 degrees to the inside where we place another plate. And we kind of find that plating that placing that plate in place makes a very stable construct mm. that actually allows patients to bear weight early, okay? And get and you moving faster, Get you obviously. moving faster, yeah. right. Where previous lapidus before lapoplasty, the, 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 the restriction in weight-bearing was six weeks non-weight-bearing. It was kind of non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. And then you, were, you know, then you were, you know, it was always six to eight weeks, and then you were in a boot for another month mm-hmm. out of that. It was almost three months before you were in a shoe. But with lapoplasty, you know, we can almost bear weight immediately. I definitely have patients walking at two weeks. Uh, they're ambulating in a boot, and I get them out of the boot at six weeks. So we're, we're not only allowing patients to bear weight and walk almost immediately, but we're getting them into a shoe at the time that previous patients were just beginning to bear weight. So it's, it's a much faster recovery, uh, reproducible results. It's, you know, like what, said, what is the, what's the success rate of it then generally? Well, you know, honestly, I think, I mean, the success rate, we always, uh, well, that's a good question. Sure. I'm not sure if I have numbers on that. Sure, but, sure. But, you know, it's, uh, I mean, I found it to be a very successful procedure. Yeah. Um, you know, well, It get, seems like it. It yeah. seems like there's not, there's not a, a lot of ways that it can really go wrong once it's been fixed, yeah. I suppose. Well, I, and I think that if there is complications, you know, I mean, everything has complications. Of course. I mean, every procedure does. But, you know, we are fusing a joint, a mm-hmm. joint at the metatarsocaneiform joint level. However, non-union rates at that location are less than 3%. Um, where if you compared that to previous lapidus bunionectomies where we had two screw constructs or a screw and a plate, we always said non-union rates around 8 to 10%. So, we've, so we do have a better healing rate yeah. with lapoplasty. And I think that denotes to the biplanar fixation. It's very stable fixation. We get better unions with those as okay. well. So not only can you bear weight sooner, but you also have a, a much better rate of healing as well. Now, I'm assuming the reason why people want to have this done is because it, it, it's painful. It Correct. must be painful yeah. in a sense. Yeah. Um, is is there are there bunions that that aren't painful that you can just live with? Uh, well, is I, there, are there some? I usually don't see them. <laughs> okay, <laughs> probably are. Maybe. Well, <laughs> yeah. I, I suppose. Yeah, yeah I, I can't imagine yeah. how it couldn't hurt or just be uncomfortable. Well, yeah, and I think a lot of times people just turn to live with them. Yeah, you know? and I, I think that's quite a bit of it is that people do tend to just live with them where 
you know, they're they're okay with wearing wider shoes or making changes in their lifestyle or activity and right. accommodation for the bunion. I mean, sometimes people can change their lifestyle. Um, however, you know, if you you know if, if those things aren't agreeable, mm-hmm. then that, I think those people seek care. Yeah, right? get get. I mean, get it fixed. No kidding. Right. With a procedure like this, and and after spending a little time with it today, and uh, you know, are you uh, are you one of the few here around that does this procedure too? Yeah, I will. You know, my residency director in, in Colorado was part of. The, the research and development team for lab oh, laparoscopy. Wow. Okay. There were eight physicians that were put together as kind of a to put together the R and D of laparoscopy. Yeah. And, and my residency director out at North Colorado Medical Center was part one one of those physicians involved with that. And that was based on some research that we had done when we were in residency, or my mm-hmm. co, co- residents did as well. Um, so I kind of get inter- I got introduced to it pretty early on through him. Um, and I was the first person in South Dakota to do one. Oh, that's very okay. cool. Yeah. yeah. So I was a, and and I've definitely have the I've I've done. I think according to the website, I've done over 300 of them at this oh, point. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so you're pretty good at this then. All right. Excellent. Uh, Dr. Ryland Johnson, thank you very much for coming in and talk about this. It is, uh, you know, uh, the, the technologies that, that keep popping up in, in medicine and in surgery, uh, they have to get exciting for you. Um, do you, do you, what, what could be next with this? I mean, what could be the next thing they do? Or, or is this, is this a, a surefire way to fix it? And, you know, this will be the the thing that we use for decades to come. It's a good question. You know, like I said, lapoplasty is a lapidus bunionectomy, which has been around for quite Mm -hmm. some time. And we've always liked lapidus because of the low recurrence rate. When you fuse that joint, the recurrence rate is like less than 3%. Whereas doing a distal first metatarsal osteotomy, research has shown that, you know, recurrence was up to 70% after 10 to 15 years. And that makes sense. If, If you don't stabilize the foundation, the building continues to tilt. Right, you mm-hmm. can re, you can re, you can realign the roof line, but it'll continue to migrate. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I think lapidus has always been a really great procedure over the years, and I had done it before lapoplasty as well. Okay, um, I've kind of taken it on just because a lot of the things we didn't like about lapidus have been addressed: the early weight bearing, the better healing rates. I don't find that there are any more cons with it anymore, sure. and it's a really great procedure. Um, the, the techniques is you know really kind of where it is. I think lapoplasty's technique with the triplanar correction, uh, you know, the biplanar fixation. I think those are the things that have kind of are making it as popular as it is. And those are the reasons why I have taken it on and continue to do it. And okay. it's really the only bunion I do nowadays. Oh, um, excellent. So, I, I mean, I've done lots of other ones over the years. I, I kind of just converted to lapoplasty because I, I find a... I find it hard to come up with a reason. Not to. Right, sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, you know, te- you know, I'm sure they're coming out with some new things. But uh, yeah, the cutting guys, I think, and everything, I think, is what made this as popular yeah. as it is. Excellent, uh, Dr. Rylan Johnson from Monument Health. Thank you for coming in and talking about this. It's Thank been you. fun. You Thank bet. You. Thank you. Doc Talk with Monument Health is recorded live at Home Slice Studios, hosted by Mark Houston, edited by Russ Hatton, engineered by Chris Jaquis, and produced by Kelsey Kinney and Rob Henry.